everyone. Welcome to the Within Her podcast. This is Michelle, and I'm with my co-host, Lexi. And we are actually having our first guest on this show. Her name is Lily Hooks from New York City, and she's one of um, Lexi's really close friends. She is actually majoring in Africana and Black Studies, and her parents lead a church in the Bronx in New York City. And in this conversation, she invites us into her world to talk about the race issues in America right now and her perspective of God in the midst of it all. We hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did today. Lily is so full of life and color and energy, and I hope that you learn as much as we got to today from her perspective. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Lily. Lily, thank you so much for joining us. We've been talking a long time about wanting to start having guests, you know, having you and talking about the topic of race and empathy and just, again, all these different racial issues in America was the perfect topic to finally get somebody on our podcast with and to hear a different perspective from Oh, we're, we're, I'm so excited. Um, so to start out, can you just tell us what your experience with George Floyd's murder has been and all of the racial issues in America leading up to this point? And yeah, just what has your experience been? For me, one thing that I always tell people is like, I was raised by black revolutionaries. Mm. My family is very much like they all went to HBCUs. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the first that did not. The HBCU is a whole historically black college and university, but, um, so for me, I actually am an Africana slash Black Studies major. Like, oh wow, that's, that's my whole thing. Wow. So for me, I guess I can start specific, uh, more about me and then get into George Floyd. So for me, like, it's just been very interesting because it's like well, my dad is African American and Native American, but he's very very dark. Like he just looks straight African American. Like he looks Nigerian. Okay. And my mom is Creole, so she's French, Black, and Hispanic specifically from uh Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico so for me like being black in America has always been different because it's like I'm black and then like I speak different languages and just be confusing people are all different we just everywhere but like so for me like I've I never really it wasn't until like Trayvon Martin and that happened I was I had to be like 12 or 13 years old so that's when I first was like the first moment I realized like, because I had always heard about Martin Luther King and, like, but, like, that was the first time where I really realized, like, oh, this, like, this is, a, this is, like, this is really still happening. Like, this is going down. And so from that moment and then just in high school, like, I was one of the only black kids. And that was very, like, that was difficult because there was what people thought about me and what they thought being black was. And I was like, no. And so, um specifically with George Floyd, for me, what's been going on in my mind is, um, like, when it first happened, I didn't I didn't even realize it happened until my dad told me because I was focused on the lady in Central Park calling the cops on the guy for telling her to put a dog on a leash. There was just so many different stories mm-hmm. coming in at one time. Then when they, my dad told me, I was like, it was worse? And I found, and I saw it, and I was like, oh, my goodness. And... I know for me, like, when stuff like this happens, it's the initial, like, just sadness, and it just takes over, and it just becomes depressing, and then it's, like, rage, and then it's just, like, we're back to normal life, because this happens so much, but I, for this one, 
I think like because we've all we're all stuck inside and like more aware of actually what's going on. A lot of my friends are like, I just can't believe this is happening. How do you feel? What would you do? And I was like, What would I do? I've been I've been trying to figure that out since I was twelve. Yeah, I don't know what I would do. Yeah, so I know specifically for this one because there's so much going on in New York. I've been really taking care of my boyfriend. My boyfriend, um, he's Afro Latino, so he's. In the sense of he's not African American, but he's black as black from Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic. So for any tall, my complexion, six foot, big hair, big guy. So he's like, for him, it's just like he just has so much like stuff playing back in his mind, mm-hmm. and just really trying to comfort him and really talk to him through this because he's just like, like his he's always the one to go out and get stuff for his family because everyone's stuck inside. So he's like. I'm always like, be safe. He's like, I'm trying. I'll call you. I'll stay on the phone with you. So it's just been like, it's just been nerve-wracking in that sense. I do think that's interesting what you said. Something that really stuck out to me was like, it's kind of been normal. Mm-hmm. Like, that this might seem heightened right now because everyone's maybe kind of still in quarantine. Um, has a lot more maybe time or mental energy to focus on this. But this mm-hmm. isn't the first time something like this has happened and I think we all know that but I did find it interesting that you know you feel like this is kind of normal um and that raises a lot um what with you know seeing racism um be an issue since at least you said you were 12 or 13 how do you feel like that's impacted how has that impacted you and just like your life I think it was I think of it in like two categories I think of it like when I was still in Kansas City and now. So in Kansas City, I think for me, it it really helped me see that, like, because I was a disciple, like, I got baptized uh, second semester of freshman year high school. So, like, it was like, okay, in my mind, I'm like, everything's going to be great. And then people are like, yo, you should die like Michael Brown. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? And it had me like, okay, I'm still a disciple. Stuff still happens what's going on I'm like it just it just kind of made me feel like like I knew God still loved me I knew that he this was not him that's what I knew Mm -hmm. I knew for a fact I was like this was happening to me right now is not okay and it's not godly I don't know so for me I was trying to figure out what to like do with that in the best godly way possible as a teenager like there's not much in that setting I could have like I did the best that I could I think me now because I have Okay, I'm about, to br- I'm about to bring in a term. So, like, the African diaspora is very big in the sense of, like, when colonization and slavery happened and, like, most of the slaves were brought to the Caribbean. So, in New York, a lot of people are from the Caribbean, so their experience is a Caribbean-based diaspora where, like, a lot of Americans, African-American, that kind, they're, they're similar, but they're also very different. So, for me... I come from both because my mom's family is African-American and Caribbean and my dad's is just African-American. So I was, I'm able to, I feel like now I'm able to help people see like, yeah, New York is very progressive, but there's still so many things wrong. And so it's helping me see one that like, there's so much more than what I know and what I know can help someone else see there's so much more going on. So I think like in New York, I think it's a lot more like colorism. There's a lot more like, you're Dominican, you're brown. Mm -hmm. But like in the Midwest, it was like, yo, you black? 
and then there's like all this other stuff and I'm like what's going on Mm -hmm. so I think I think it's just messed me up I don't know I feel like all black people like when you're little you kind of prepare for this Mm. you're kind of like you know that stuff's about to go down so you like you I don't know how to really explain it one thing about that that I think specifically for my family I I can only speak for my family I can't speak for everybody but like so as a kid my dad was like you are three generations away from slavery don't forget that you need to succeed in everything you do and he said that because like my grandma was a sharecropper and her mother was a slave so my grandma she's 82 and I think like I think when I see like people discussing like oh you know we've moved so much as a nation we're going forward I'm like yeah we've made changes but like not really in the sense of like my 82 year old grandmother can remember being a sharecropper and her mother as a slave and still has the same feelings as she was when she was a sharecropper i'm like we like we i think sometimes people just think it's so long ago Mm, and it's like no they're very much alive like Mm. my grandpa uh desegregated a golf course my grandpa's still alive he's 95 he was in an all-black world war ii like he was like his group was like the all black section of the war. It's like these like this stuff is still like the history's still there. It's not this long time ago in a land far away. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think do we realize like a hundred years ago, which is not very long, that's one generation. There's people mm. that are alive that are a hundred. That would have been in the nineteen twenties, you know, mm-hmm. right before World War Two. And segregated America like that's not long ago and I think you're right I think I think it's easy to feel so detached from that and again like that's just so far away and that's not us anymore but the truth is there's so many people still living that was that that was their story that was that was their life as a kid we really aren't that far out from that I think that's a really good point and I think that's important to understand and to know my grandma right she's like (laughs) one of the nicest people in the like I love my grandma but like she's she also like she's very much aware of like in certain spaces she's like i i don't do that because i mm-hmm. just never have never been available to me so i'm not gonna do it mm-hmm. like the fact that like because me and her have the same name and when i graduated high school for her she's like this is me graduating high school mm-hmm. like me like me graduating college is like that's gonna be me graduating college mm-hmm. like there's so much that goes into it that then as as the new generation of like black people in america like we have to like not only have like what's happening to us but like take whatever's happening to them too because mm-hmm. i fight for my grandma someone mess with my grandma <laughs> i'll be from the south side of heaven that day because no. so lily when i guess it comes to because i know safety and fear is a really big emotion um a lot of people are feeling do you feel safe and do you or is fear something you're experiencing I think in the moment for me, because I I wasn't until really last night, mm-hmm. I felt pretty safe because I just don't leave my house. I would love to be on the front lines of a protest, but we're also in a global pandemic. So, okay. but my fear is in this moment, my fear is mostly for others. It's mostly for like my boyfriend and my dad, because my dad is a big six foot, 200 50 pound black man i've seen him get pulled over i've seen that stuff before mm. it's just, and so for my boyfriend too just like my fear is just really for them for myself i'm feels okay yeah but i think especially now with this curfew because last night it was until 11 p.m and i just found out today it's until like 8 p.m oh, wow. so like 
it's like getting shorter and pe- like I didn't even know about it so how many other people don't know about it who knows what else could happen right specifically so, like with the riots right and the pro the protesting that's turning into rioting is is that kind of where the biggest fear is coming from not from no I have no fear my I think there are no protests by my house but it's not necessarily the protesters that scare me I think also it's like this is where my major comes in specifically we have to like differentiate between the protesters and the rioters because most of the protests are peaceful they they start peaceful they attempt to be peaceful and then there becomes the police present so in their mind there's this assumption that it's going to be rioting and that's it's not the case it then becomes rioting later when rubber bullets are thrown which are not meant to be for people in the first place they're meant to hit the ground because rubber bullets are like they're huge and so for me, like, it's not necessarily like, oh, my God, there's a protest happening. But it's more like, okay, there's a protest happening. Stay clear of the cops at the protest. Yeah, I think that's a great thing to understand because I think I think it can be easy for some people to just look at whatever the media is putting online as protesters being violent and starting fires and, you know, starting destruction. And I appreciate mm-hmm. you making that point. It's like there is a difference between some of the people coming out to peacefully protest and that not everyone out there that's protesting is a rioter, is hurting other people and is destroying things. Um, And yeah, kind of there's, there's things that lead up to even the riots that are happening. It doesn't just come out. It's not zero to 100. No, I think specifically with riots, like all the people that you see, like smashing like the windows and stuff, this is all, this is not said, this is not like solid evidence, but like, they're all dressed the same. Like, there was already one, the guy, it was in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which I'm also so surprised is the one that really started all this. Minnesota, mm. who would have thought? But, like, the guy smashing the windows was in, like, all black, covering his face with an umbrella, and his ex-girlfriend was like, this is a cop. We learned about this in my civil rights class. Like, there are people that are using these protests to come in, start trouble, and then brand the entire movement as mm-hmm. violent. Right. And I think something that's that's been happening for a long time in all the movements, and I think something that people need to be mindful of, it's like a lot of this stuff is not the direct movement itself. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think just, I just want to make a point, too, that it is really important for us as people that follow anything on the media or the news to understand that the news and media does manipulate things. So, like, for example, um, our church leader said that they knew this girl and there was a picture of her leading this, like, riot, but really, in real life, what she was actually doing was telling the rioters to stop. (laughs) And so she had this megaphone, and they were like, oh, this girl's leading this, and what she was actually doing was the opposite. So I think just being mindful, too, of, Mm -hmm. like, hey, some of the things we're seeing that people are saying is true or the media or the news just remembering to like be discerning and to really do our homework on like what's true and what's not um because a picture we know can be manipulated to tell ten thousand stories but there's really only one story you know and that's the truth um well i was i was curious so i definitely wanted to know like how do you see god in you know all of the race issues that are going on and injustices who is god in this I know God is there, but, like, you know that point in the Bible where, like, David's pleading to God and God's just not answering? Mm. 
I'm like, I don't know why I get the feeling that that's something that's happening. Like, God is, like, doing something behind the scenes that we have no idea what's going on. At the end of this, like, God's about to do something so amazing. I don't know what, though, but... I think in general, like, with racism and everything, and where does God fall into that, it was actually so encouraging. Um, We had the speaker come, and it was, like, how God and racism, how they connect and they don't. And that's something, as a disciple, like, learning about, like, black studies and essentially just racism in America, like, is a constant fight. God and racism cannot coexist. So one thing for me, like, in moments like this, it's so subtle, but, like, in James, I love the book of James. In James 2, like, the whole section about favoritism, it's like, God, like, clearly says you can't have favoritism. Like, that doesn't work. Why, like, why would you give one to the rich man and not the poor man? Why would you do it to one race and not the other? Why, where's the separation? Like, that's not how God views this. So I just go back to James 2, just like, this is like the main piece where I go to. God is not singling me out because I'm black. Mm. He made us black. Really, he wanted us black. Yeah. Not a problem. So I I go to that. I've been going to that a lot. Yeah, I love that scripture. James rebukes people for showing favoritism of any kind. Um, and I love the point that you make, too. It's like, God shows the exact time place you would be born the parents you would have the eye color you would have the skin color you would have where like what country you were born what Mm -hmm. year he wanted you born like everything has been thought about in God's heart when it came to making us he's like I before you before I formed you I knew you and before you were born I set you apart so I love that you made that like you mentioned that like God created the beauty of different races and different cultures and they're all they really all have a beauty to them um and I love that you have confidence in that you know God didn't make a mistake with you God Mm -hmm. wanted you specifically to be black and um I I love the confidence yeah yeah it reminds me of um a sermon I was listening to and they were talking about race and they said that like if you can put like all of God's people in a file it's going to be traced back to God because we're all made in his image, regardless of race or height or appearance or whatever. Like, we're all made in his image and made um, to reflect the way him. That, yeah, the way that he wanted us to. So I love that point, Lily. It's all God. Ain't me. I didn't do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I just read it. Lily, what do you think is a helpful response from people right now? Like, from white people, from the white community? I think right now, just listen. Sometimes it's very easy to just say, I'm there for you. And we and I appreciate that. Like, I've gotten so many, like, I'm there for you if you need anything. Text and I love that. But I think it's also, like, when black people are speaking about this, whether they're African-American, Jamaican, Hispanic, Afro-Latino, whatever, black and Asian, doesn't matter. Like, this is the time to listen. It's not a time of, like, okay, this happened, but what about this? And, like, this is not the time. I think try to understand and not understand so you can say something understand so you can see what's going on because like the way that a black person moves in the world and the way that a white person moves in the world are very different no matter no matter what they're gonna be different and so like it's taking this time to really see like what what we see so instead of like trying like just sitting in this situation with you without bringing other things into it just just simply just being simple in the heart of what's going on right now yeah i think specifically for me like when people are like expressing like they're upset i'm like that 
that does not bother me because I'm like, yeah, like I'm upset. Like we have everyone should be upset. I think, but then I think it becomes like when people bring up all lives matter at this time, like that whole phrase, no one's saying that all lives don't matter. We're not heartless. Like that's what this means. What this means is like, if you really want to say that statement so bad with confidence, you need to understand why black lives matter is important that's just for me like i think just using this time to really like listen understand and also read educate on what's going on because there's a lot like of black history that's one not taught and if it is taught it's always it's most of the time not accurately taught that's a good point i love that the the educating yourself part too like read some books read some history um we're not relatively i would in general we're not very educated in history in general especially in black history in general what lily okay so there's definitely people that want to be helpful and maybe they're you know, have the hearts that are like, oh, I want to understand or I want to help, but maybe they're not. Is there anything that you've seen that isn't helpful? I know you just mentioned saying all lives matter. I think that's a really good example. Mm -hmm. And is there anything else that you just don't think is very helpful? Like the first thing that popped in my mind is when it comes to like the protests and stuff, I know that people are like taking pictures and sharing pictures, but like you like don't share pictures of people's faces, especially we saw this with Ferguson, like a lot of activists that you saw in Ferguson where their pictures were taken like most of them are now dead mm. for out of nowhere and not and there's like no solid evidence that like because they took their pictures they were targeted but like we can infer there have been like many instances like this where stuff has come because of that so i think like don't take picture of like if you have pictures don't show people's faces directly because that could definitely be damaging um unless they're like uh a white supremacist and like in the kkk do that because we need to expose that 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 you should share because people need to be aware that like there are people actively doing things to harm people but i think like the peaceful protesters and stuff because police like they look at that there's a whole or like there's a whole organization that was founded by like was the fbi or the cia one of them that was literally tar- like created to target black activists it's in- it's like people want to take pictures of the movement and share which is great share about it Tell your friends about it. Be there. But, like, of people's direct faces, like, don't do that. Because it could be, it could do more damage than good. And I think, like, when people, like, over-empathize, like, oh, my gosh, I know what you're going through. Like, no, you you don't. But I understand what you mean. And I appreciate it. But, like, no, don't say that. Yeah, the, the, the hey, I understand. Because the truth is they don't. I think that's a really good point about the photos, too. I That's not something I would have ever thought about. And, obviously, mm-hmm. media, I mean... Everything has a picture taken of it and is on an Instagram story or a Snapchat story or a Facebook post. And yeah, I think that's a very, very helpful information to think about. One other thing I definitely, I definitely had a question on is like, I know, so your mom and dad, they lead a church out in, in the Bronx. Is that correct? The best borough. Yeah. The best, side note, the best bureau best for all those listeners out there. <laughs> um, how should churches be responding this is very interesting because my parents, so they wanted to have like an open discussion with all of us and talk about how we're all feeling. My dad was like, this is an awful idea. And he said that because he led uh, the campus ministry in Dallas for a really long time. And so they had an open discussion once. And my dad was like, the recovery of that conversation was worse than the actual discussion. So in these big open forums where people are discussing like, I understand the intention are great, but some, like, cause there's so many, there's so many people 
and there are going to be so many different opinions, and people are going to fight, and then, they're like, whenever we are allowed back outside and they see each other, it could cause more tension. It's like, so that, I think, if you have a smaller ministry, so I think those are good. I think sometimes we get, like, not having a big open discussion doesn't mean don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. I think we need to talk about it as a church, because as a church, we're affected. Like, there are black people in the church, so... Like, I know, like, almost every black minister that I've met has, like, dealt with some sort of racial instance, even as a minister. So, like, I think we definitely need to talk about it. I think ministry-wise, there needs to be a discussion. It doesn't need to be a big church-wide discussion. It should be smaller. Because just it, it just becomes too, there's too many opinions online. In online church discussions, we need to just, people need to just really understand, like, people are just hurting. We're hurting, but we also know that God is there. So it's not, for some, it could be a lack of faith because it's a trying time and like that happens. This is not us saying that God doesn't, isn't there. This is just us saying we're hurt and that's fine. You need to like, we need to let that out. I think like I saw on Facebook, someone was like, this isn't working for me anymore because all we talk about on here is race and people are sick and die. We talk, And I'm like, no one said to stop talking about people being sick. There just needs to be a space, though, for us to talk about this. And I think, like, I think one thing that could be very helpful is, like, more stuff like this, like, people actually talking about their experience. I think we need to understand, like, stuff like this still happens. So we still need to have these discussions. And I just think they need to go about, like, in a wise way. It's just because you just, I just feel like you're going to get, like, the young millennial and then the really old baby boomer in this become end up so bad and then they'll be like why are you not respecting your elders and it's like don't look down on the young it's like it's just going to be conflicting and it's like we like that's not what the purpose of the conversation is i heard the other day i think it was from michael burns's book he said that he said you know we have to be careful in conversation because when we start talking about things like this there can be so many there can be a lot of dissension but if everyone has the heart to understand first and foremost our identity is in christ um, there, there's that commonality, like to be under Christ, I think is the only way maybe a church could successfully have widespread conversations about this. And I think that's important to remember and keep at the front of the mind to, to be aware and to try to prevent any type of discord or dissension, because that's not what we want. We don't want the church to be more divided. Mm Um, but yeah, I think I really love that point. It was like, hey, if we all have hearts to try to see each other through Christ and to, to stand on Christ first and foremost, hopefully it can take some of that away. But this is so complex. And like you said, there's so many different opinions, so many different experiences, so many different emotions. It, I could see how that could easily cause a lot of potentially harm if it's not brought in with the right heart or mindset. Yeah, and I think you also got to remember, like, the church atmosphere as well. Like, specific, because, like, how us in the Bronx would talk about it, we're, like, a mostly black and Hispanic church. But how, like, a church in, like, nowhere... Yeah, yeah like, they're going to be two completely ways of talking about it. Yeah. And, like, it not there's no one way to have this conversation. I think, also, like, you got to remember, like, there are people that were alive when, like, Martin Luther King Jr. was killed. They could have been on either end of the spectrum... You got to specifically know who you're talking to, too, because if you put someone you know is going to have opinions that are going to clash with somebody else and you're just like, they just need to talk it out. That's not. Don't do that. Don't do that because you're purposely looking for a fight. But I think if there are people that like for some reason in their hearts, they just feel like they just have some prejudice in their heart and think it's okay. Like, I think 
in that moment there needs to be like a separate discussion with that person like tell me please explain like and like bring scripture that like you always got to bring scripture into it because like if you want to fight the scripture you fight god and that's really bold so true yeah i really appreciate all of the points you've made and all the insight you've brought. I'm interested because you said like, you know, one thing we can do is educate ourselves. And a reason that I, I thought of you, you came to my mind to speak on this is that you are someone that has a lot of resources, um, that knows where to go, knows what to read and what to watch and, um, you know, can point people in that direction. Is there any, anything you can point people to that might help them become more educated on this or, um, something that I thought of too was that this is such like this is such a heart issue too. Like it has to start from the heart. Like there are there might be tendencies or patterns and habits and behaviors that have kind of perpetrated what's going on in the world right now. So what can we do to like relearn? How can it start in the heart? How can we become like Christ in these situations? That's a good question. I think for in terms of like in our hearts. I'm going to tackle this in, like, the heart and the brain. So, like, in terms of our hearts, I think we need to really, one, we just need to pray. I think sometimes, like, we end up with hard hearts because just of, like, the world. And I think both ends. I know, like, for me, sometimes I have to pray if I'm like, God, I don't want to come off too crazy. I don't want to come off like I don't like this person. Like, I don't want that. So I have to, I think like everyone just needs to pray for their hearts and specifically like to understand, like to, to empathize with people, but not step on their toes. Like just really just hear people. If people actually, like if people heard what black people were going through, like it's really sad, but like sometimes the only way people can care is if they can like someone they re- they know actually like they can relate that to someone they know which is unfortunate but like if that's what we have to do like sometimes that might just be what we have to do so it's like i think like one-on-one sit down conversations and like understand like this is why i feel like i do because there's like there could be like a whole part in a person's life like you don't know i don't just go out and tell people like yeah my grandma was a sharecropper like no but like people don't know that so like, we sat down have a conversation and like really pray and just really try to be like Jesus and love people no matter what, I think that could be a help. I think in terms of, like, the brain and, like, actual, like, reading stuff, I was talking about this with my sister, like, I was like, how many speeches of Martin Luther King do you know that aren't I have a dream? Also, what do you know from that speech besides he said that he has a dream? And she was like, I don't know. I'm like, exactly. Like, this, like he wrote books. He, like, there was, there's so many recorded speeches and, like, moments and so I think definitely Martin Luther King, but I think also Malcolm X. I feel um, I think Malcolm X is heavily stigmatized as the as the bad don't do this civil rights leader, which is not the case. So I think like Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Angela Davis, um, so I've been SNCC. Like if you just read and like really learn and like not just to like say I read this, but like really understand because like. The autobiography of Michael Max is a really good book. I think, yeah, there are some points in the book that, like, people gonna be mad. But I think just, like, Letters from the Birmingham Jail by Martin Luther King, for one. And the autobiography of Michael Max, I think, even just just watch the movie. Spike Lee did a whole movie on on Michael Max. Watch it. Just, like, expose yourself to, like, what black culture and, like, black history is. Because there's so many things, like, we don't even, like, so, like, reading that and understanding, like, their mindsets. Because, yeah, how they might have gone about it might not be what, what people think should be about it, but, like, why they did it. 
was so that way there can be black freedom. So I think just really reading and looking for that. And also just like, you know, YouTube is so great. Watch YouTube. They're, like these speeches are recorded. They have like transcripts. So like really just like you just got to actively go for it. I think that I think also in terms of like stuff from today to look at that can help people is um, there's just, there's two movies. They're both on Netflix. One is called 13th Amendment and it's about mass incarceration in America and the film about the Central Park Five. I think just really seeing like there's like the pattern and really understanding like because I think seeing those will help people really understand like why we have the reactions that we do because like the central park five film like those guys are still alive they were giving notes about what happened to them to make the thing so like i think just seeing and exposing yourself to that would really could help people like better understand also like we all got netflix and we all at home so just watch a movie and also if you're in college take like a an intro to black studies course and i know a lot of people are like but why would i do that because african-american history is american history I think, like, that would really, it would really help people because it's not, like, the whole thing, but it's, a, like, you learned so much in, like, just that one semester. Totally. Those are all, I think, really great resources, and, yeah, I definitely appreciate the, spe- like, the specific books and the specific um, people to go research and um, educate yourself on, and that's really a point. Most of us are still home and don't have a lot to do, jump on Netflix, get on YouTube, read a book, mm-hmm. like take advantage of the free time you have versus anything else um, because this is important. And I like how you said understanding why Malcolm X had the, the mindset that he did and, and made the decisions that he did. I think that's a really good point, understanding the mindset and what, yeah, really what was going on behind the scenes that you won't know unless you read their book or listen right. to their speeches and get to know them. Yeah, like, you really, like, I think people just really need to see where, like, like, the backstory of where stuff is coming from. Because I think sometimes we just see the riot and we Mm. just see the part and the protest. But, like, there's so much more. Like, all these protests going on, they're not just about George Floyd. In the course of just, like, the month of May, like, the amount of black people we saw that were murdered unjustly, like... That, and it's, like, that on top of years and years and years, like, I think, like, there's there's so much going on behind it. So I think, like, really taking that time to reflect. Like, I, I just want people, like, to reflect on when they first heard about the Trayvon Martin case. Because that mm-hmm. case really, like, shifted everything. So I think, like, looking at that and, like, seeing how that affected people and, like, everything that's happened since. Obviously, I'm not saying that's the only thing, but, like, that's a big thing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. Um, I know you said, like, prayer and then that scripture in James. Does, is there anything else in the Bible or any other, like, spiritual practicals people can put into place right now, especially because it is a hard time and people are, like, grasping for faith in God right now? Like, how else can can we see God in this situation? I think that's something that I'm really trying to understand myself. There is a scripture and I need to find it. Um, it was in, the, in Matthew 5. Because it talks about, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Like, that specific, like, blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. That that scripture, like, honestly made me stop and just cry. Because it's like, God, like, sees that I'm hurting. Like, he sees, not just I'm hurting, but this whole community is hurting. And, like, that God's going to comfort me. Also, just, like, we're all hurting. And that's okay. God, like, it's not a sin to feel hurt. God's not mad at us for being upset that this is happening. But also realizing that, like, 
Jesus was like Jesus said that he wants us to give him that grief. So like realizing that like Jesus is there for us during this time and he's like, just give it to me and I'm gonna take care of you. It's uh Matthew eleven, twenty eight and thirty. You know, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. I think like one thing I've said a lot of black people have said is like we're tired. Well Jesus is rest. So go worse than Jesus. No, I love that. That's so good. This was so good, Lily. I can't thank you enough for being here and being our first guest. Um, thank you for something to do. I'm bored. <laughs> of course. Lily, yeah, we definitely appreciate it. And, yeah, you brought up so many good things to think about and talk about and to reflect on and to sit in. Um, was there anything before we go um, that you wanted to share or any last thoughts you have? I just want to say, like, thank you for, like, one even thinking of me. I think just giving, like, the platform to, like, even talk about this in the church is just so encouraging. Like, giving the voice, I think that's really important. Yeah, sometimes we just like, oh, everything's fine. Well, it's not. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's talk so we can heal from this. So we can figure out. And, like protesting is not bad so if you want to do it be safe when you do it know where you're going know what can happen prepare yourself this world is crazy it's gonna be crazy educate yourself listen to your black friends check up on your black friends because for a lot of us like when mom died when i was 12 I'm, tw- I'm about to be 22 years old that's like 10 years so like that's this is a lot so just check up on them even like think that they're fine like just still because it's really important because for a lot of us this is like really difficult and we don't want to talk about it so check in say we're thinking of you how are you doing i love it again thank you so so much yeah love everything that you said well lily thanks again and yeah let's definitely let's definitely talk soon